0: Verse 10, we pick up, it says, uh, Now Jacob went out from Beersheba and went toward Haran. So he came to a certain place and stayed there all night because the sun had set. And he took one of the stones of that place and put it at his head. And he laid down in that place to sleep. Then he dreamed, and behold, a ladder was set up on the earth, and its top reached heaven and there the angels of god were ascending and descending on it <clears throat> and behold the lord stood above it and said i am the lord god of abraham your father and god of isaac the land on which you lie i will give to you and your descendants also your descendants will be as the dust of the earth and you shall spread abroad to the west to the east to the north and to the south and and in you and your seed all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Behold, I am with you and will keep you wherever you go, and will bring you back to this land, for I will not leave you until I have done what I have spoken to you. Then Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I did not know it. And he was afraid and said, how awesome is this place. Then none other, uh, this is none other than the house of God. And this is the gate of heaven. Then Jacob arose early in the morning and took the stone that he had put at his head, set it up as a pillar and poured it, poured oil on top of it. Called the name of the place Bethel. But Bethel, uh, but uh, the name of the city had been Luz previously. Then Jacob made a vow, saying, "If God will keep me, uh, will will be with me and keep me in this way that I am going, and give me bread to eat and clothing to put on, so that I come back to my father's house in peace, then the Lord shall be my God, and the stone which I have set up as a pillar shall be God's house, and of all that you give me, I surely." I will surely give a 10th to you. So big chunk to read there and uh, a lot to cover. So uh, moving to the front of everything, he uh, says uh, Jacob went out from Beersheba and went down to Haran. So Beersheba, the well of the oath, that's where Abraham had made a covenant uh, with Abimelech, the um, Philistine king. And uh, he had, uh, they had set up there could be well of the oath or well of the seven. And that would be the seven, uh, lambs that were, that were sacrificed there or that were actually gifted. Uh, but when they would, uh, make a covenant, they would cut and they would walk through those, uh, whatever was cut. And they would split those things and they'd walk between those two things that were sacrificed, uh, as a mark of the covenant that was, uh, that was made. So, he is in a, a place that we're familiar with in the scripture and uh, Isaac had lived there and now Jacob uh, is there So Abraham was there Isaac stayed there for a while and now Jacob and we see that the promises were made to Abraham Isaac and to Jacob So the Lord is bringing all three of them. There is a very significant place and it says uh, to Haran and that's where uh, Laban lived and um, his mother sent him to Laban his brother now, uh, Jacob probably had a lot going on in his heart. He had uh, uh, just had all the family drama, and uh, he had just deceived his father and lied to him. And his brother wants to kill him. Uh, he's uh, been sent away by his mother uh, to her brother's house, and there's a lot going on. And uh, he, the sun had set, and he's ready to rest. And uh, God had him right where we, where he wanted him, and right when he wanted him, <laughs> and. Uh, So he, uh, of course, as he gets tired, sun's going down, it's getting dark, right? So at that point, he's going to grab his little pop-up tent, right? Get the air air mattress out, and you know, get the my pillow. He's got it specially ordered, and he's got the you know sleeping bag, and he's going to sleep good. He's got the portable AC, all that stuff, right? No, what it says here, you didn't even have a pillow. He didn't have anything. And uh, what would lend? uh, What what we can kind of speculate here is that it might have been too cold. If you've never slept in the desert. That place can get cold at night, and uh, uh, the coldest, uh, now you'd think desert hot, but the coldest I've ever been at night was in the desert, and uh, uh, you're here in the desert, and uh, you, you've, you've experienced the warmth of the day, your body gets used to that, and then bam, there's nothing, and it was cold. So the uh, now, I, I've, been, I've had parts of my body cold. I've been on Elephant Mountain when it was 40 degrees below zero. We were doing an honor uh, guard detail up there for the B-52 crash site. And uh, it had been, I think it was the 40-year anniversary, so, uh, and I think it was 30 or 40 below with a windchill. It was a cold, cold day. My feet were, uh, I got frostbite that day uh, on my feet. Uh, they had given me some cold-weather gear. Unfortunately, that cold-weather gear had steel toes, and uh, so thankfully, someone was there, and they gave me some uh, hand warmers, and I jammed those in there. I didn't know how long we'd be up there or anything, but we had to take snowmobiles up there, get up there. and get set then we you know i was one of the, the we were doing 21 gun salute so i i was uh we had practiced we were doing all that stuff and uh, i was uh, up there it was my only honor guard detail i ever did in my career uh after that i was like no, no, no that's fine i'm gonna stick to recruiting and uh, and go from there and i uh <clears throat> i remember i was so cold i was driving from there and i went to camp in monson and Uh, I had tears come in my eyes. It hurt so much for my my feet to warm up I was I was cold in certain places, but overall was the desert of Texas No, no less. I was there in in November and man was that cold and I had a massive headache But I'm sitting there shaking. I got a headache and I'm shaking. I was so cold I think it was end of November and it was cold What we can kind of guess from here is that he didn't want to take any of his gear off. So he grabs a rock. I mean, think of, think of if you need a place to rest your head, you're probably not going to grab a rock, right? I mean, there's no – I mean, some people like a firm pillow. This is like, you know, you're, you're, you're not going to get any – you're not going to be, oh, ah, you know, kind of snuggle my head in here. Get comfortable, man. This guy grabs a rock and throws his head on it. You know, he's exhausted. He's got a lot going on in his brain, in his mind. You know, he's, uh, you know, that's a, uh, that's a heavy head, you know, where there's so much guilt, so much, there's so much going on there. He realizes, you know, there's no doubt he's exhausted, a lot had happened and, you know, he's got to keep those clothes on and um, I I believe that his head was, and his heart were weary and heavy and uh, he laid his head down at, at night and he falls to, falls asleep and, and he has a dream and uh, we can look at this dream and know that it was from God. And uh, if you know, if you've read ahead, and uh, you've spent any time in Genesis, you know that his son, Joseph, was also a dreamer. And uh, the Lord would speak to Joseph through dreams, and uh, he prophesied, and that ends up being a problem for him with his future, uh, here in the future with his brothers. And it also uh, is something that Pulls him out of prison as he's there. And I, I know I'm spoiler alert, I, I know that. But um, so Joseph is uh, not only a dreamer, but he can also interpret dreams. So uh, that's uh, kind of a neat thing to see that Jacob is laying his head down and he has this powerful dream where the Lord shows him a ladder. And that's a, uh, it's set up on earth and its top reaches uh, to heaven. And uh, what he sees are angels ascending and descending upon this ladder. So this ladder is representing something that connects the earth and uh, to to heaven, man to heaven. And and the angels are coming to minister, and then they're returning to the Lord. So there's there's a scene here because if we just look at a ladder and it just uh, as a, like as a young kid or whatever, and you're like okay ascending and you descend- say okay, so um, you know they're just going up and down a ladder. What does that mean? You know, but what it means is that they're coming down. The Lord has given them orders, and they're coming down. But it's representing what's happening. I don't believe that they're coming down, you know. Just oh, hold on, I got to get down. They're got to go really fast. They're, you know, the guy's going to crash into something. You know, they they can they can appear. That the Lord has given them they're spiritual beings. But this is a a vision that he can understand. That there's a connection between man and God. <clears throat> and uh, when we consider this, might sound a little bit familiar because on Sundays we're in John, right? John chapter one, and at the end of John. Jesus claims to be that ladder, and uh, John one fifty one, it says uh, that Jesus is having a conversation with Nathaniel, and uh, and he said to them, "Most assuredly, I say to you, hereafter you will see heaven open, and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man." So there's a repre- what, what God is letting him see is that, that there is a connection. And Jesus, we know as Christians, and when we look in the old into the New Testament, we can see that there's a mediator, the one that connects us to God, right? Like it says in 1 Timothy 2 5. One God, one mediator between God and man, it's a man, Christ Jesus. We have that connection with God through Jesus Christ. <clears throat> so we seize this ladder, and it says that the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord God of Abraham, your father, and the God of Isaac. So Abraham, your father, the patriarch, and uh, and then he says Isaac, um, uh, your father. Now, now looking at Abraham, he's the father of all Israel. If you talk to uh, the Jews even today, their father is Abraham. Their 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 bloodline uh, and what their 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 claim is and and what they stick to and their their pride is is that they were connected uh, in the blood to Abraham. And uh, so that's their that's their that's their big thing. So when they say Abraham is their father, now we know from our our study in John, right? There was the the argument as Jesus is rebuking the religious leaders. They're saying we have Abraham as our father, you know, and and Jesus corrects them. And I know this is familiar to you guys, but it should be. This is a good thing if it's familiar. Don't look and go, yeah, I already knew that. When when things are familiar to us, that's a really good thing. Okay. <clears throat> And Jesus said, if, if God was your father, then you'd know who I am. But it, it, then Jesus breaks the news to him. No, you're a, your father, the devil. And uh, so that's pretty hard news for them. But Abraham says, Abraham, your father. And Isaac. Uh, so I, I like that it says, Abraham, your father. We know that Isaac was his earthly father. But this is talking about Abraham being the, the patriarch of, of uh, the Jews, of uh, the people of Israel. So. So Isaac, your dad, he says, the land on which you lie, I will give to you and your descendants. Again, God gave Israel and uh, gave it to Israel. Now, that's, that's an interesting thing because the land still belongs to Israel. <clears throat> Do you know who Israel is, right? The guy we're studying right now, Jacob. His name gets changed by God from heel snatcher, the, the guy that would be the deceiver, the one to, to catch somebody. And to cause them to stumble to governed by God, and so when we consider when the Lord made this promise, we know that the Lord kept that promise. He gave it to Israel. He lived, this is the Israel. This is the guy Israel, but also Israel as a whole, as as the nation after he has these twelve sons, uh, as we're going to see here. We're going to study eleven of them tonight, but. Uh, Uh, when these these young men are born that these are the tribes of israel so it's that's all being built up and now he's laying there and he sees okay this is going to happen right here that god is going to minister to us god is here uh, with me and he's ministering now he's the third one to hear this verse 14 he says also dear descendants uh, shall be also your descendants shall be as the dust of the earth. You shall spread abroad to the west and to the east, to the north and to the south. And in you and in your seed, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Uh, verse 14 was said to Abraham, it was said to Isaac and to Jacob. So they've all three heard this. So this this is now the Lord acknowledging. And a, a J, a Jacob, no doubt, is probably walking, going, I, I, I don't know. I this is a speculation of mine. Jacob's going. So did I really get the blessing? And this is the Lord saying, Yes, you know you're guilty. You know all those things, but I'm still going to work in your life. That's the grace of God. That's 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 the grace of God saying, I, Yeah, yeah, you're a dirty, rotten scoundrel. Uh, but uh, but I have a plan for your life. And God changes him from that scoundrel. To Israel governed by God and and we'll get into that. I know I'm uh, giving you a spoiler again, but that's uh, what it is but God uh, still has a plan and uh, he is uh, We should we should never look at that and go. Well, God's got a plan. I can do whatever I want I can sin don't use that as a as a uh, as a uh, just a Hey, I got to get get out of jail free card and I can do whatever I want because God's grace is going to cover me We're going to make our lives so much worse I uh, um. I've dealt with uh, at the school uh, that I that I work at, the college I work at. I've dealt with kids getting into legal trouble. We're, at our school. We try to keep things in house. So if a kid gets, you know, caught doing something stupid, let's say, uh, what I dealt with most when I was working at nights were alcohol violations. It's supposed to be a dry campus. We would be stupid if we if we assumed that uh, we don't have a bunch of kids there and that they're going to make bad that they're we if we say oh no they're always going to do the right thing you know unfortunately when we're 18 19 years old we do stupid things uh you know i've been there i did that hard i went right down that path hard and i paid the price for it i learned from it and uh you know, but I, what I can usually tell people because they're distraught. They got caught and they, oh, what's going to happen? They're going to get, you know, uh, I don't want to even say a slap on the wrist. They're going to get in trouble uh, with the school and stuff, but we don't involve the law. When they leave, that stays between us and the school. But then I've seen people do some other things, and then we have to call law enforcement and they get into trouble, you know. And, uh you know, those are, you know, two different circumstances that – that hey, it can go really bad for you, and and you've got you now have a, a criminal record, or you know things can be kept in house. Sometimes you know we're still they're still guilty of doing whatever they did, but that grace of the Lord says hey, this is between you and me. Remember when David David had had stolen Bathsheba and had um, <clears throat> had um, Uriah killed? What did David say against you? And you alone have I sinned. You know that's because that'll boggle your mind, won't it? You know, he, he like stole that guy's wife and killed him. But David knew the ultimate sin was against God. <clears throat> and uh, the Lord is the one that, you know, he can be the one that we don't want punishing us, obviously. But I can tell you now, I would rather trust and and, and fall into the hands of a gracious God than into, you know, potentially the hands of an unjust judge, right? You know, those things that can happen. And, and uh, the the restoration of the Lord... So we should never ever use that as a oh well you know this guy got away from it. God uh, got away with it guy and you know, look we're gonna look at the chaos in this guy's life as we progress even tonight that happens uh, in his life so uh, verse 15 it says behold the Lord is saying to uh, Abraham uh, sorry to Jacob again he's still talking behold I am with you and will keep you wherever you go I will bring you back to this land for I will not leave you. Until I have done what I have spoken to you, the Lord says, "I will, I am with you and will keep you wherever you go." That's that's a uh, quite a statement here. And you know, when you're on the run from uh, your brother who wants to kill you, and you just lied to your father and deceived him, and and uh, unsure how everything's going to turn out. I mean, it wasn't like this guy's sitting around and he's waiting. He's like, "Hey, in a week, I'm going to be leaving, and so I'm going to have, I'm going to say bye to everybody." And this was like your brother's going to kill you grab your stuff and get out of here you know and, and and so he's on the run it's not like he's got a full backpack of survival gear and everything he's just out there in the middle of the wilderness or wherever he is and the only thing he do is lay his head on a rock so he hears this encouraging word from the lord in this time and the lord says i am with you he will keep you i will bring you i will not leave you i am will 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 not all positive all those things are positive you know it, it wasn't that God it, he got out in the middle of, of of the night and God said now I got to where he wanted he can't run can't go any further the lord he knows he knows he's wrong and I believe that as the lord said this to him he he's realizing wait a minute Wait a minute! I've done something. Even he knows he's guilty. He already knows he's wrong. And then he sees how the Lord deals with him, and the Lord says, "I am with you. I will keep you. I will bring you. I will not leave you." And brothers and sisters, God's promise is as sure as they come. You know, we can we can look at any guarantee out here. You know, you can buy clothes, and and uh, you know, oh, this is made in Maine. This is good forever. And, uh, you know, it, it breaks. You just bring it back, and we'll give you a new one. That's even changed, right? I don't want to say the company because that would look bad. But but, uh, but those things, right, those guarantees, right, those things can change. They're subject to change, you know, as time goes on. God's promises don't change. His faithfulness doesn't change. <clears throat> God gives a promise like that. I am with you. I will keep you. I will bring you. I will not leave you. Oh, man. <laughs> That's the one that's the one you you grab and hold on to, like, nope, I got that promise right here. That is that's going nowhere. <clears throat> you know, nothing could be more encouraging than for him than to hear this, you know, that, that God is with you wherever you're at. And you know, even when you're outside on the ground, you got your head resting on a cold rock, and you know, as you're trying to move forward in life, the Lord is saying he's gonna guide his steps and not leave it. That's an encouraging message uh, to, to keep going with. And verse 16, you know, Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, surely the Lord is in this place and I didn't know it. So he wakes from, that's a powerful plan, uh, a powerful dream. And uh, and he says, the Lord is here and I didn't know it. You know, and that's, uh, you know, he, uh, w- you know, when this is happening, God had the angels ministering and they were about the work of God. And he's seeing, OK, that there's something going on that God had. There's a connection between God and man that I didn't realize existed. And, uh, you know, this in this he's in a specific place in a specific situation. And God had him right here, right, uh, was was right there with him the whole time. And, and um, you know, this what he says here, surely the Lord is in this place and I didn't know it. Well, think about that. Meditate on that. Because there's often, uh, you know, I don't know about you guys, but I've been to the place where, you know, God is working in places and at times that I've least expected it in my life. Wait a minute, what? You guys remember John 1, right, Nathaniel, when he starts here, and they're like, hey, we found him. We found the Messiah and everything. He's like, uh, yeah, you know, Jesus of Nazareth. And what was his, his response? Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Right. God likes to take the most, uh, you know, unthought of thing and 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 use that because where's the glory? The glory has to go to God at that time. Right. So he's sitting there and he's going, I had no idea. But God is here and he's going to minister to me and he's going to carry me and uh, that that God was going to work. You know, it's sometimes it's in the the, the places that we wouldn't think of. You know, that's uh, you know, when you when you start thinking of these crazy um, salvation messages when somebody says, I was doing this in my life. And you're like, you were doing what? Yep. And God gave me a dissatisfaction with it. And he saved me that day. I had to get up and I had to walk away from whatever it was. You know, you start thinking of of some of the the deepest, darkest places. And uh, the Lord just grabs them and says, Hey, (laughs) you you think you've ran so far? I'm right here. And he's grabbing them and uh, pulling them out of those things. I've, I've seen and, and, and read uh, so many. I've experienced it in my life where the Lord has, has ministered to me and, and said, what are you doing? <laughs> what are you doing? You know, I, I've, I've told you that the day, uh, I don't know the day that I first prayed the prayer uh, accepting the Lord, but I can tell you the day that I started actually following him seriously was November 5th, 99, when I married Jen. And uh, we were driving, and we drove by Aviano Baptist Church. And as we drive by there, we're in Italy, Aviano, Italy. And uh, the Lord just pounded on my heart instantly. And he and I—it was all—it wasn't audible words, but it was, "Are you going to take your relationship with me seriously? You're now in charge of a family." And that's when I just looked at Jen, and I know you've heard me say this, but I said, "We're going to be in that church every time the days the the doors are open." And we were. And God so graciously built us, changed us, used us. You know, it comes from following him. You know, I I didn't expect it that day. We had literally just gotten married and we were about, we were uh, driving up to what was going to be our uh, apartment. So we're like, well, now we're a family. All right, we're moving into our apartment. And it was, it was, this was a, a block from where we were moving. So it was instant. And I just was saw that sign, and I had no idea what that church was even about. Nothing, but Lord, Lord laid it so heavy on us both, and we just we were there. You know, when God does something, you know, we may not expect it at that a specific time or in a specific place or from a specific person. You know, if you've ever heard of the 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 heavy metal uh, rock band Corn. Uh, there's a, a Brian Head Welsh is their lead guitarist he's one of the the top ta- one of the guitar magazine or whatever named him one of the top one hundred guitarists ever he uh was living a life of uh complete debauchery just they i read his book and he would get to a point where he would be so high off of meth that he he during breaks in their sets they'd have a break you know and and they'd kind of take an interlude or whatever. And they would go do drugs, and they'd be passed out laying on amps and their head, eyes rolling back. And then he met Jesus. He's still a rough dude. Don't get me wrong. You know, I uh, I read his book, and I'm like, ah, the Lord's going to change that. He's going to minister. But he met Jesus, you know, and you look at that dude. He's all tatted up. He's got all these, these uh, you know, uh, the dreadlocks and everything like that. But he said, no, I'm, I'm, I'm saved now. And he wrote a book. And you read with uh, the the darkness that the Lord pulled him out of, and then it spread to uh, the gospel spread to another guy in the band, their bassist, and I can't remember lefty or fieldy. Thank you, yeah, fieldy, fieldy. So um, I don't know their 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 doctrinal stance. I don't know all those things, but they both are saying. I'm not the person I was before. And Corn went from this band that, that was partying so hard that, you know, they're passing out in between, you know, songs and everything, that now when they're on tour, they bring their families. And, uh, you know, I'm not saying, guys, don't go buy the next Corn CD, okay? Please, you know, uh, they, uh, as far as I know, are not a Christian band, um, you know, and uh, I'm not encouraging any of that. But what I'm saying is, is that shocked the world for someone that looked like that. Everybody's like, well, look at him. How could he be a Christian? And I'm telling you, that's what God is about. What did Jesus Christ do in his ministry, right? Remember, remember his ministry? They're like, and, and the religious leaders are going, if he knew who that was, he wouldn't be sitting there. You know, if he was really a prophet of God, he wouldn't have anything to do with that person. And Jesus just came and flipped that all upside down. He's got an amazing plan. You know, and, and we don't know what it is. We don't know who he's working in and, and uh, who he's calling and everything. I encourage us all to be in the word, to be strong in our faith instead of just being the guy that said, you see somebody totally broken and in total despair. Hey, I don't know a whole lot, but let me pray with you. You know, I, I, it's, I'm not perfect. I'm not, you know, any it's I, when I've had a couple opportunities to do that and I didn't know the impact it would have. And I've heard that impact, and when I've heard it, it's just blown me away because it was just a simple. Like guys, we pray together all the time, right? You know, it was just, it was just a simple, nothing crazy in the prayer or anything. It was just in a in a, in a time of devastation for somebody to go. You know what? I've never had somebody pull me aside, put their hand on my shoulder, and pray for me. Yeah, that, that will rock somebody's world. It's just something like that, guys. If you haven't looked at this world and how bad it is right now. For somebody to 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 step out in their faith and be bold and say, Hey, you know, we don't have to like embarrass, ourselves screaming the prayer and I've been there for that before. Men's prayer breakfast. We went downtown and one guy just he was visiting here and Will's like, Never again <laughs> will that guy pray and represent us and he'll never you know, and Will recently Will and I were talking. Yeah, you know, he's he's a, he's a brother and everything, but uh uh-uh. uh. No, you know, we have, we, we work hard to build the relationships we have in this area and everybody stopped in that restaurant. We were, you know, usually we'll just bow our heads and we'll pray. Not, we're not afraid to pray, but we're not trying to be obnoxious and, and scare everybody. And, you know, and that's what happened. <laughs> and, and Will was like, Bro, you know, but, uh, anyways, he, like I said, he, he, uh, he, he, he did apologize. And, um, and I think he was, he was, he was trying to be funny. And uh, really, but it stopped. The whole restaurant went dead. someone yells, everybody gets quiet, right? Yeah. But so we don't know. We don't know where the Lord is working. We don't know the times that He's going to just might be at the at the grocery store, and you see somebody just just overwhelmed. Uh, I had a, a, an opportunity this week just uh, speaking with a uh, young lady. You could just see the the uh, just the world, the weight of the world on her shoulders. Just start talking to her. <laughs> You know the the tears are rolling, you know sometimes we don't know, and it's going to be at the unexpected time. Scripture tells us to be ready, right as as Christians. We shouldn't be uh, sleepy about our faith. You know let's be ready. We're ready to share. So he says, surely the Lord is in this place, and I did not know it. <clears throat> God works in ways that uh, you know his ways are higher than our ways, his thoughts higher than ours. Verse uh, seventeen says that he was afraid. You know how awesome is this place? He says. You know, basically, this is hallowed ground. God is in this place, and you know, uh, this is uh, none other than the house of God, and this is the gate of heaven. He's like, there's something special going on here, and what I've seen is amazing. And uh, you know, he he saw angels ascending, descending. God spoke to him. Uh, in our time, to- in, in our faith, we may be at points in our faith that we are going to remember more. Like I just shared for me, that was one of the most powerful times in my life was when Lord spoke to me very pointedly and said this. And, and uh, whoa, so I'll never forget that. That's that's time stamped in in, in my heart. And there are certain things and times that, that are going to, where we're going to say, yeah, God worked in this place in my life. He worked uh, through this situation in my life. <clears throat> Verse 18 says, And Jacob arose early in the morning and took... The stone that he had put his, uh, at his head set up a pillar and poured oil on top of it. And Jacob Jacob recognized what had happened, um, that it was of God, and he rises early in the morning. I imagine he didn't really feel like sleeping in. He's got his brother, his, you know. He thinks on his heels, and uh, and early morning, you're going to get up. It's not like you know, you guys. I'm sure everybody here has experienced that time. The alarm clock goes off, or whatever. On the weekend when you you wake up and you're like, I don't have to get up right now. And this pillow feels awesome and I'm warm and comfortable, right? He's not feeling that, right? (laughs) He's like, I got to get up. I'm laying my head on this stone. I'm done with it. I got indentation on the side of my face from the ridge or whatever, you know. And uh, so he takes that stone. And he stands it up, pours oil on it as a as a as a way of worship, as an expression of worship. He's pouring something out um, as a uh, expression of worship and an act of worship. And and uh, that st- same stone that he had rested his tired head on, and you know that had held his uh, his burdened head up, is now standing as a reminder of God ministering to him. So he sets he sets that up and. Um, verse nine, he's changing the name from Luz, which means almond tree, to Bethel, house of God. You know, he's saying there's something special that happened here. In verses twenty through twenty-two, uh, he vows that if God keeps him and provides for him and gives him peaceful a peaceful return, then uh, he shall be my God, and uh, I'll give a tithe to him. You know, think about this. If God just takes care of everything, then you know what? I mean, he's going to be my God. You know That's not necessarily the best trade-off, right? Hey, God, if you just give me everything, then you, know, you, you can be my God. Now, remember who this is coming from, right? This is a guy that knew how to work things in his way. Remember Esau. He knows Esau's tired. He's hungry. Esau comes in, and, and he's got a deal for him. He's like, hey, made you up a bowl of stew. He's like, give it to me. I'm going to die, right? And he's a deal-maker. He's a dealmaker. If I do this, you're going to do this, right? You're going to give me your birthright for this bull. I mean, it's, it's such an uneven trade. And uh, and he's all about that. He's all about gaining and not really losing much. And you know, What did he have to offer God but a guilty heart, right? And uh, so he says, hey, you know, if God gives me everything and provides for me and gives me a peaceful return, then he should be my God, and I'll give him a tenth of, of everything. He's going to give him a tithe of everything. So, uh, you know, not sure how that benefits God, but, you know, God still takes the deal, you know, and uh, he he works it. He's a loving father. And and uh, God says, oh, you know what? Yeah, I'll take that deal and I'm going to do it. God already said he was going to do it. And He's saying, all right, if God's going to do all these things that he says, then he's going to be my God. So uh, it's it's a pretty neat uh, situation we have here. So uh, 29, Genesis 29, verse one. So Jacob went. ...on his, uh, his journey and came to the land of the people of the east. And he looked and he saw a well in the field. And behold, there were three flocks of sheep lying by it. <clears throat> For out of the well they watered the flocks. A large stone was on the well's mouth. Now all the flocks would be gathered there. And they would roll the stone from the well's mouth, water the sheep, and put the stone back in its place... On the well's mouth, and Jacob said to them, "Behold, uh, my brethren, uh, where are you from?" And they said, "We are from Haran." Then he said to them, "Do you know Laban, the son of Nahor?" And they said, "We know him." So Jacob's journey has taken him uh, to this well, and the sheep and the shepherds are there, and he learns where they're from. And this is an interesting question. Of course, there isn't a whole lot of you know recorded here in the dialogue, but. If you remember Laban, and we got a quick glimpse into Laban, right? Laban's a guy who uh, is uh, he, major league baseball, minor league baseball. Jacob's minor league in comparison to Laban, all right? Uh, you know, Jacob's, he's, he's semi-pro, okay? He's good. He's slick, but he's not great. Laban, Laban is a master at deception. He's, he's really good, and... Uh, uh we saw that uh Laban, when uh Abraham had sent uh his uh his servant his oldest servant um to uh laban uh, to uh well, ended up being laban and uh they uh, meet he meets um this servant meets uh Rebecca at the well right and uh they meet at the well and there's this big thing I'm not going to go very deep into this. But uh, they're like, "Oh, wow! This is this is a relative. Let's go back." And they get all excited. They're at the house, and Laban's like, "Hey, this is really great." And they they start working out this deal for Rebecca to go back with him. He's like, you know, and, and many believe this was Eleazar, uh, who uh, had been with Abraham his his uh, you know a, adult life, and uh, he had been with him that whole time. And he's like, "Hey." I'm about my my master's business. I'm not sticking around for a whole long uh, long time. Before we even eat, I need to present this to you, and we need to talk. So they work that all out, and they're like, "Yeah, sure. You know, uh, let's 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 bring Rebecca here." And uh, Rebecca says, "Yeah, you know, I'll 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 go uh, with him." And uh, they they get this uh, agreement, and Laban kind of we get a little glimpse into him. Laban's trying to get him to stay longer. He's like, "Uh uh-uh. uh, I told you, I'm about my master's business. I've got to go." And they pack up and they leave. So we're going to get a bigger glimpse, uh, a better shot of Laban here. Uh, so when he asked, do "You know Laban, the son of Nahor?" It, it, it you know, they they just say, "Yeah, we know him." <laughs> you know, it's the you know we can look. Maybe I, I wonder if they're just saying it that way. They're not like, "Yeah, he's our best friend" or anything. But they say we know him, uh, and uh, you know, maybe they had experienced Laban uh, as a businessman. Who knows? But uh, they they know who he is. So um, they say in verse 6, it says, so he said to them, is he well? And they said, he is well. And look, his daughter Rachel is coming with the sheep. Then he said, "Uh, look, it is still high day. It is not time for the cattle to be gathered together. Water the sheep and go and feed them. But they said, we cannot until all the flocks are gathered together Uh, and they have rolled the stone from the well's mouth. Then we water the sheep. Now, while he was still speaking with them, Rachel came with her father's sheep, uh, for she was a shepherdess. And it came to pass when Jacob saw Rachel, the daughter of Laban, his mother's brother, and the sheep of Laban, his mother's uh, brother, that Jacob went near and rolled the stone from the well's mouth, and watered the flock of Laban, his mother's brother. So he asked the question, is he well? And they say, yeah, he's well, and uh, his, his daughter is coming now. And uh, you know, I wonder uh, if uh, he was thinking uh, about the stories that he had heard of, of how uh, the servant, maybe Eleazar, uh, had uh, gone on the trip uh, for uh, how his parents met. You know Isaac and Rebekah, they met at that well. Uh, Eliezer met uh, Rebekah at the well, and maybe that came up. So um, Jacob saw, saw Rachel, and, and he's strong enough to remove the stone. So he does for her, and he helps with watering his uncle's flock. Verse 11, then Jacob kissed Rachel and lifted up his voice and wept. And <clears throat> Jacob told Rachel that he was uh, her father's relative and that he w- uh, was Rebecca's son, so she ran and told her father. And then it came to pass when Laban heard the report about Jacob, his uh, Jacob, his sister's son, that he ran to meet him and embraced him and kissed him, and brought him to his house. So that Laban, uh, so he told Laban all these things, and Laban said to him, "Surely you are my our bone, uh, my bone and my flesh." And Uh, He stayed with him for a month. So Jacob, uh, when he sees Rachel coming, he kisses her. This is a respectful, customary greeting. It's not like he's, you know putting his lip smack you know right on her and throwing her off or anything he greets her properly might have grabbed her hand and kissed her hand or whatever kissed her on the cheek or whatever uh and uh, he's greeting her and uh he explains who he is and rachel's excited she runs to get her 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 father and her father arrives and greets him and embraces him and kisses him now we spent two years in Italy. It's not uncommon to see a guy. You've seen it on movies if you've ever traveled abroad or whatever. They'll you know grab each other's shoulders and kiss each other on the cheek. Italians still do it here. You might, you might just have to go to New York or go to a you know Italian restaurant or something, and you might see it even here in Maine. You know, there's that greeting. You know, kiss each other on the cheek. There's that that uh, that that greeting there, and it's not <laughs> necessarily. a you know part of this culture right you know it's a big deal if a guy's gonna hi- hug another dude most of the time right we've talked about remember we talked about this uh, uh before you know it's just in me and it's just how it is and you know man i i I'm a, I'm a dude i might give you the half hug even but i i love to say hey what's going on you know grab the hand and do this i haven't seen you in a while or whatever i don't care i'm bear hugging you man you know, it's that that type of thing, man. And it's okay. It's okay for, for somebody to do so. You know, but it's not necessarily a part of their culture, of our culture, but it was theirs. And uh, he invites him to his house and he calls him my bone and my flesh. And he stays there for a month. Now, uh, after a month, verse 15, then Laban said to Jacob, because you're my relative. So they haven't sent for Jacob. So he's just st- there waiting, right? Ja- uh, Rebecca had told him, Uh, that, uh, hey, we'll send for you after things uh, settle down a little bit. Then Laban said to Jacob, Because you are my relative, should you therefore serve me for nothing? Tell me, what shall your wages be? Now Laban had two daughters. The name of the elder was Leah, and the name of the younger was Rachel. Leah's eyes were delicate, but Rachel was beautiful in form and appearance. Now Jacob loved Rachel, so he said, I will serve you seven years for Rachel your younger daughter so Laban asks uh, for a deal he says hey if you're gonna serve me what, what do you want for wages you know' we're, we're family and everything what do you want and he asks for Rachel's hand in marriage now Leah's the older one and uh, she has it says delicate eyes or if you look at the King James version it says she's tender eyed and uh, but it doesn't say much more about her she's got delicate eyes she has soft eyes right? That's about it. So the, the assumption can be made that she's not all that attractive. However, her sister is very attractive. You know, she's beautiful in form and appearance. So uh, Jacob sees her and, and, wow, who is that? You know, he met her at the, at the well and he's, he's impressed. And, and after a month goes by, he got to know them a little bit, no doubt. And, uh, he, uh, when he's asked, he says, you know, he's, he's falling for this one. And, uh, and you know, he, he has, uh, he, he loved Rachel. It says, so he says, I'll serve you seven years and, and, uh, uh, for Rachel an agreement uh, to have her as his wife after seven years, this wasn't a deal on credit. This was, I will serve you seven years. Then I will have her as my wife. So he's, he's willing to give up seven years of his life. Uh, and uh, wait until those seven years are up to have her, so verse nineteen we see the response, and Laban said, uh, "It is better that I give her to you than I should give her to another man. Stay with me." So Jacob served seven years for Rachel, and they seemed only a few days to him because of the love he had for her. Now, in this culture, uh this is uh that's quite a commitment. Uh, what I can see like I said I work at a college and um, we don't need I don't need to work at a college we can just look at the culture today there uh, it's changed since when I was a kid and I can tell you I'm very glad that when I was a kid we didn't have smartphones to record everything we did wherever we went whatever you know whoever we were hanging out with and everything oh my goodness would I have been in some trouble Would my friends and I have been in some trouble right? The culture has changed. The today's world uh, is what's being shoved down the throats of um, our. So the the generation that's here now isn't the next generation. That generation, seventeen, eighteen, they are the generation of our of our nation right now. They are the ones. They're now old enough to vote. They are the ones, right? You, you've heard Will talk about before 18 years old, if someone hasn't come to Christ, the, the, the chances of that happening just, I mean, we know God is greater than any any statistic, but statistically, if somebody hasn't come to faith by the time they're 18, statistically, their chances of doing so by the time they, you know, in their life drops dramatically. And what is the biggest, guys, look at what's happening in our schools. Look at what happened. The battleground gr- is our school starting from pre-K all the way up. I mean, what's being shoved down the throats of little kids instead of, hey, let's talk about colors and adding and stuff like that. It's, no, are you really a boy? Are you really a girl? What is going on? That's the true battleground of this nation, is that the, the generation we're dealing with right now. It is awful what, what is being pounded down their throat. What's being pounded down their throat is the way you look. What you what you uh you know, who you're hanging out with. You just gotta you just gotta be cool. You gotta have all these things. Sex is being presented as something that's that means nothing. Just something to do. Casual. No connection to each other. Nothing. Guys, it's sickening. And what happens? Sorrow upon sorrow comes from it. It seems, oh, hey, it's cool. We got all these apps and I can just look up and I can find this person, swipe white, right, right, left, or whatever, and we can con- connect with each other and then we never see each other again. That's straight out of hell. It really is. Look at this commitment. Seven years. I'll serve you seven years. I'll, I'll, I'll work for seven years. And he got to know her, no doubt, for those seven years. You know, marriage... Marriage and the sanctity of marriage and that that, that, that um, what comes uh, as a, uh, a blessing from the Lord, that intimacy between a husband and a wife, it is being counted as common. Like it means nothing. Not just in the young. I'm, I'm just saying those are the ones that it's being shoved and crammed down their throat and being taught to, to elementary school kids. Guys, books here in Maine about hey your little kids why don't you go out to the woods and and have sexual experiences with each other it'll be fun those books are in libraries it's anyways i've gone way off on a soapbox but but it, it is guys this this the, the we are called christians are called to be salt and light we're called to be different those that preserve right salt preserves it preserves, right? This nation needs a, a an agent that can preserve. You know those. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Pre-salt is a preservative. preservative. I can't I can't think of the word preservative. I'm like, and it preserves. And yeah, sorry, I worked and my brain is starting to shut off. But um, we're called to be preservatives and and to show. Uh, you know god's light that that our lives are different there's something different about us right so seven years and they seemed like a day went back to this they seemed like only a few days his love for her had made it uh, the time go by fast and they had got to know each other over seven years 21's a, da- a different one i'm a father of three daughters and, uh, and then jacob said to Laban give me now my wife for my days are fulfilled that i may go into her probably not going to be a, a good conversation <laughs> you know that's a, probably not the approach i would take uh you know my future daughter-in-law's pretty direct path right but what he's saying is, is, is uh, she's now my wife i want to start a family with her you know it's now that time i've served you for seven years it's time you know i i i, I want my wife now verse 22 begins to we get to see where uh, you know Laban is, is teaching him, like, hey, here are my league man. This is, this is where it is. And Laban gathered together all the men of the place uh, and made a feast. Now it came to pass in that evening that he took Leah, his daughter, and brought her to Jacob. And he went into her, and Laban gave his maid Zilpah uh, to his daughter Leah as a maid. So it came to pass in the morning that, behold, it was Leah, and he said to Laban what is this that you've done to me was it not for Rachel that i had served you uh why then have you deceived me <laughs> so the ceremony takes place they feast and uh here comes the big switcheroo right he's expecting one now it says here uh it was evening verse 23 it was evening so it's dark and uh no doubt they have a private place now jacob learned uh, a little bit here uh, that, uh, you know, what he was doing, like I said, was minor league. And, you know, um, we get a glimpse into where Rebecca might have gotten her idea to deceive Isaac, right? Rebecca and J- and Laban, our brother and sister, you know, tells you a little bit about their household. You know, they were probably taught, hey, you know, when you get a chance, you know, to take what you can, take what you can, whatever it was. But you know Rebecca was pretty good, a pretty good deceiver herself. She's the one that brought all this up to Jacob, and Jacob's like, you know, hey, I might, I might look like a deceiver, and I might look like a liar. Yes, we discussed this last week, so I won't get too heavy into it. But yes, because you are, and you're going to be, and 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 you know, it's it's just, uh, you know, that, that you are what you eat, man. It, it's, uh, um, you know, it, it is what it, you know. It was what it was, I should say, and. And uh, so uh, we get a glimpse into where they got it. So in the evening when uh, he couldn't see or dark, you know, there isn't a lot of commentary on what ha- what's happening here. Uh, she uh, no doubt was probably veiled and dark. You know, Teddy had, had too much to drink. That's where I, I tend to kind of lean. It doesn't say that. But when you don't know who you're with at night. Um, you know doesn't know her voice or anything. I'm thinking he might have, you know, maybe had too much to drink That's that's my own speculation. It doesn't say that I don't want to get extra biblical here But regardless of uh, what it was it happened and uh, he spends the night with Leah Consummating their marriage, you know, that's the right thing that 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 should have happened and when he wakes up in the morning He has the delicate eyed one uh, instead of the one that was beautiful in form and in appearance, so he's waking up to somebody he did that's uh that he didn't think he married. now, I'm sure that Leah knew that something was up and that she was being fed into uh, something, but can you imagine for her to go, oh, you know, there Leah is one here that her heart gets ripped out and stomped constantly as we're reading this, okay? You know, this, uh, she, she, uh, I'm guessing she got the tender eyes, probably a tender heart and everything. She gets shoved into this by her dad and, uh, he goes and he says, wait a minute, you know, why have you deceived me? You know, he got a taste of his own medicine and he got to see, wait a minute. I just, uh, you know, this, you know, I've been serving this guy. I thought I knew this guy. You know, he was able to tr- tr- trick his, his blind dad. You know, this happened with his eyes wide open and he thought he was the man. And no, he got taught, no, 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 you're small time, man. You're, you're playing with the big boys now. And, and Laban pulled one over on him and he goes and he says, why have you deceived me? The deceiver got deceived, right? Not that it's right, not that it's, we all, you know, there are times in movies where you like to see the bad guy get what they had coming to him, right? or when you're reading the news and you're like ah they got it i'll admit you know there are times when i've read the news and i'm like i don't feel bad for that person right and uh that's a, that's that's a uh you know vindictive uh mind you know the vengeance belongs to the lord okay um that's a it's something we may struggle with but so uh you know he had this this whole switching happen and he thought he was waking up to one and he woke up to the other now Uh, Verse 26, and Laban said, it must not be done in our country to give the younger before the firstborn. (laughs) Like, hey, fool, you didn't ask, right? (laughs) You know, right? He's making him feel stupid for it, right? They shook hands. They had a deal, and Laban's like, you know, put his hand behind his back. I remember his kids, You kind of put your cross, your fingers, put your hand behind your back. He's like, you didn't ask, man. This is, this is all on you. <laughs> so Laban's like, hey, you should have known this was the culture here. Did you think that didn't apply? So he says in verse 27, fulfill her week, and, and we will give you this one also for the service which you will, uh, for this service, you uh, will serve me, uh, with me still another seven years. This guy's good. Jacob, Jacob thought he had it all, man. And, and, uh, no, he's small, small, he's a small fish. This is, this is a shark, you know? Uh, you know, this is, uh, this is a minnow. He's like, Oh no, you're just, you're going to learn here. Another seven years. And Jacob did so and fulfilled her week. So for those seven days, he spent uh, the seven days with Leah and he had that time with Leah. And uh, then, um, so uh, he gave him his daughter, uh, Rachel, as wife also, and Laban uh, gave his maid, Bilha to his daughter, Rachel, as a maid. Then Jacob also went into Rachel, uh, and he also loved Rachel more than Leah, and he served with Laban still another seven years. So Laban um, gets into that fine print, right? Oh, you didn't read the fine print, you didn't ask all those things, and... Can't give the younger, so he gets another, um, you know, they, he spends the week with Leah and he gets another seven years worth of, of work out of Jacob. But he gets to marry the one that he wanted. And the family feud plot is just beginning. You know, things are, are not starting off on the right foot. You know, you can imagine that week he had with Leah wasn't one of great joy. It's not like, you know, when he came out of the field and, you know, she's got a big, she's just trying to please her husband, right? And when she come, when he comes in from the, he's probably like, yeah, <laughs> you know, there's they he was forced into that. He was tricked into marrying her. And, uh, so they're, they they did not start off on the right foot. And, uh, you know, they, so he's, he's stuck with her for seven days and, you know, um, and after those seven days, Leah knows that she's going to be sharing her husband. Uh, with her sister for the rest of their lives. and uh, you know Jacob uh, stays and now now this seven year deal was on credit. So the other one he served seven years and they got him. this was the credit. No, you can have her up front, but you're stuck with me for another seven years. That's the deal. so he he marries her and and uh, this is all starting here and it, it says that he loved Rachel more than Leah things get interesting from here. Now remember Jacob grew up in a house where it was okay to love one person more than another, right? you know, because Esau was, was loved by Isaac and Jacob was loved by Rebecca. So, and there was that division in the house and we see uh, the result of, of what happened in that division of that house. So, uh, he's just carrying on the family tradition of, uh, broken home and, uh, and they're, uh, starting here. So, um, the uh you know that that time uh that he had served uh you know didn't matter at first, and now he has the wife that he wanted, so the seven years doesn't matter you know he's he's just happy to have the wife that he wanted and uh, but now he's got another one to take care of, and you know he gets to a point where he realizes that uh, Laban's a man of shenanigans and he's not to really to be trusted and so now we're gonna move into uh, we've got about twelve minutes, so I'm gonna try to cover uh the children of um uh, of Jacob and uh, so we move into uh, what I'll call the baby making years uh for for Jacob and and uh, uh there isn't much else discovered here uh but some very uh, interesting content uh regarding reproduction barrenness and a competition within the family so uh as we progress here verse 31 when the lord saw That Leah was unloved because it said that Rachel, uh, that he loved Rachel um, uh, in the previous verse here. Uh, So when the Lord saw that Leah was unloved, he opened her womb, but Rachel was barren. So God ministers to Leah uh, in her struggle, and imagine her predicament. Uh, She can't control her looks. You know, she knows her sister's better looking, and uh, she knows that she's only there because Jacob uh, got tricked and uh, her dad forced her into this. She knows that Jacob didn't want her, and uh, she knows that her sister is the one that he really loved. And, uh, you know, so uh, the Lord blesses her with children, and it's a comfort to her, and uh, you know, Rachel was barren, and it wasn't that God didn't have a plan for Rachel. That comes later, years down the road. Uh, you know, she she will uh, have a child, and um, and she ends up having two herself. But uh, we'll get into this here, verse thirty-two. So Leah conceived and bore a son, and she named his name called his name Reuben, for she said, "The Lord is sure uh, has surely looked on my affliction. Now, therefore, my husband will love me." You know, sometimes we name things or remember things in a special way because of what we learned in a circumstance or something that happened or it's got a special thing, and, and we see that each of these people have a name, and you know, whatever it was. And so she names him Behold a Son is what Reuben means, Behold a Son. And uh, she's trying, as I would say, here now therefore my husband will love me. Uh, she's trying desperately to gain her husband's love uh, and um uh, you know, she's thinking surely this is going to do it, and uh, let's keep reading here. And unfortunately, it doesn't do the trick. Uh, verse thirty-three. Then she conceived again and bore a son, and said, "Behold, the Lord has heard me that I am unloved." So the, the, she's uh, after having one. Later on, she's uh, pregnant again, and behold, I am unloved is is uh, you know is what she says. And he has therefore given me this son also, and she called him his name is Simeon. And uh, Simeon means uh, to hear or to listen. And so he says, you know, God has heard uh, it, that, uh, that she is unloved. So God has known that she's unloved and God has heard that she is unloved. And, uh, you know, this means that uh, even after Reuben was born, Jacob still didn't love her, didn't have that connection with her. Now that's a lonely place to live, right? When you can see, you know, imagine sitting at the dinner table or whatever, and, you know, Rachel, I don't know the city, you know, I imagine that Rachel's there. Maybe Leah's there. But all the affection, all the time, all the conversation was with Rachel, you know, and and uh, there, there's a lot happening here. And Simeon turns out, uh, this, this baby, you know, to hear, to listen is his name. He turns out to be a man led by anger and violence. So as we uh, progress through, uh, we'll learn more about him. Verse 34, so she conceived again and bore a son and said, now this time my husband will become attached to me because I have borne him three sons. Therefore, his name was called Levi. Levi means attached or joined. So it's sad to read that she's still trying to just find something or some way that will make him want to cling to her. Uh, so she names him attached. Uh, the, the, you know, there's an attachment there. And uh, this, this son, now... Uh, she, she doesn't know this at first, but Levi, you know, she'd just given birth to, uh, you know, the uh, Levi and he's the, you know, the father of the Jewish priesthood. You know, this is, these are some powerful things that are happening. She doesn't see it in her circumstances because of what's happening here. Uh, but, uh, but she's still trying to, uh, you know, gain uh, favor in her husband's eyes and Verse 35, and she conceived again and bore a son and said, Now I will praise the Lord. Therefore, she called his name Judah. And she stopped bearing. Judah, uh, his name meant praised. You know, this son is the one that Messiah would come through. She doesn't know it when it happens. She's just still, like I said, with the other ones, still just trying to please her husband. Something that that will cause him to love her. And uh, it's, it, it's a point of anguish for her. And, uh, you know, she. It, it says here that she stopped bearing. But she had uh, produced these sons, and uh, no doubt the Lord was still in control, and, and uh, he had a special purpose for each of these sons. And uh, we see them later, but she couldn't see that at this time. Verse 1 of 30. Now, right now when Rachel saw that she had borne Jacob no children, Rachel envied her sister, and said to Jacob, "Give me children, or else I die." I mean, that's a, quite a statement there. And Jacob's anger was aroused against Rachel, and he said, "Am I in the place of God, who has withheld you from the fruit of uh, you from the fruit of the womb?" So she said, "Here is my maid Bilha. Go into her, and she will bear a child on my knees, and I also uh, that I also may have children by her." And she gave him Bilhah, her maid, as wife, and Jacob went in to her. And Bilhah uh, conceived and bore Jacob a son. Then Rachel said, God has judged my case, and he has also heard my voice and given me a son. Therefore, she called his name Dan. So Rachel's heart was heavy and crushed and full of envy, and uh, she had the love of her husband, but she was still experiencing the burden of not providing children. And, you know, the frustration boils over and she gets you know, mad and goes to her husband and and said, you know, like, give me a, a child unless I die. And, and he gets mad at her and says, God's in control of all this. So there's this quick argument. Right. And uh, She goes the common route of the day that if, uh, you know, you can't bear children, then use your maid. Uh, not that it was necessarily the right thing to do, but she did, and she gave Bilha uh, to Jacob as wife, and that child comes out born on her knees. So uh, legally, because she was her maid, uh, that was legally Rachel's child. So uh, that was her child. So uh, so much so that when the child was born, you know, she she even says, you know, God has judged my case, and He's also heard my voice and given me a son. And he names him. She names him. He judged. You know. So that's this. She's looking at this son and saying, "This. This is my son." Because by law it was his. So it was hers. Verse seven. And Rachel's maid Bilhah conceived again and bore Jacob a second son. Then Rachel said, uh, "With great wrestlings I have wrestled with my sister, and indeed I have prevailed." So she called. His name Naphtali, and Raftali is my wrestling. And like I said, as a wrestler, I like Jacob. He's called heel snatcher. That that uh, that that, uh, that wrestling move—a heel hook—you pull somebody's foot right to you. And now they name a kid wrestling. I like it. But anyways, um, that was just my uh, my own weird mind looking at that, going, hey, it was a cool wrestling thing here. Uh, Rachel was you know so impacted by the internal struggle and turmoil between her and her sister, she names her son after the struggle. And uh, still through Bilhah, so it belongs to her. Verse 9, when Leah saw that she had stopped bearing, she took Zilpah, uh, her maid, and gave her to Jacob, his wife, also. And Leah's maid, uh, Zilpah, bore Jacob a son, and uh, then Leah said, A troop comes. So she called his name Gad. And you know, Leah saw that she wasn't having children anymore, so she wanted more firepower, is really what's happening here. You know, she gets her maid involved, and you know, uh the, the child is still Leah's legally, and uh, Gad's name means good fortune. We're gonna get to verse 25 here. We're gonna get right through this. Verse 12. And Leah's maid Zilpah bore Jacob a second son. Then Leah said, I am happy for the daughters uh, will call me blessed. And she called his name Asher. So Jacob is uh, the baby-making machine here, what we see. Yeah, I mean, he's got wives, and wives are just getting thrown at him, and he's just producing babies everywhere. And this one's name is blessed or happy, Asher. Uh, you know. And she's saying the other ladies are going to call me blessed. we got kids everywhere, right? Verse 14, now Reuben went in the days of the wheat harvest and found mandrakes in the field and brought them uh, to his mother Leah. Then Rachel said to Leah, please give me some of your son's mandrakes. But she said to her, is it a small matter that you have taken away my husband? Would you would you take away my son's mandrakes also? And R- Rachel therefore said, uh, said, therefore he will lie with you tonight. Uh, for your son's mandrakes. So the craziness is continuing, right? I mean, the, the commentary is right there. You don't need a whole lot of commentary from me. But uh, other than the fact of mandrakes were you know, an aphrodisiac and, and they were considered to be a fertility drug. And so when uh, Rachel sees this, she's like, well, maybe this will work. Can I have some of those? And uh, Leah's having none of it. She's like, uh-uh. You know, you took my husband from me. Those, these two were bitter rivals within the same home. You know, no doubt when they were growing up, there was already the, well, she's prettier than me, or she's your favorite, you know, she's got pretty eyes, and whatever it was, they 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 had uh, no doubt had some battles, but this is now they're stuck together uh, with the same husband, and, and Rachel's hopeful that these mandrakes are going to help her conceive, and she's asking for them, and so <laughs> what we see here is Jacob getting rented out by his wife, right, you know, so he gets back here, and you know, for, for a handful of, of flowers, so not all that flattering right you know a handful of flowers and you know his services are rented out here verse 16 when jacob came out of the field in the evening leah went out to meet him and said you must come in uh, to me for surely i have hired you with my sons mandrakes and he laid with her that night that's a weird greeting right so she runs out as soon as the deal's made she like he's coming in from the field and she just boom i bought you <laughs> you're coming with me you know that's that's quite a what a greeting. So he found out he, get, he gets rented. I wonder if he asked, like, what was the deal? And he, she's like, yeah, oh, a handful of flowers. And he's like, okay, whatever. You know, but I don't know that he wanted to, to, you know. So he goes and, you know, for a handful of flowers, apparently he can be rented out for, you know, a box of rocks or whatever it is here. But, you know, so he lay with her that night verse 17, and God listened to Leah, and she conceived and bore Jacob a fifth son. Leah said, God has given me my wages because I have given my maid to my husband. So he called his name Issachar. She called his name Issachar, and Issachar meant man of reward. So she's saying this uh, this son is a reward because of uh, you know, me uh, renting uh, him out and because I went back and I had given him a maid before, but now I've got another son here, and this was a man of reward, so that's what I'm going to name him. Verse 19, then Leah conceived again and bore Jacob a sixth son. And Leah said, God has endowed me with a good endowment. Now my husband will dwell with me because I bore him six sons. So she called his name Zebulun, and Zebulun means endowed, right? You guessed it, right? All these names are like whatever she's saying, she named the kid. Uh, So endowed or gift, and she's still trying to win over the love of her husband, his attention, his affection. So Leah, it's a tough thing to kind of put yourself in the place of, of Leah and what was happening. Afterward, verse 21, she bore a daughter and called her name Dinah. You know, or Dina, however you want to look at it. But uh, uh, the uh, uh, the only daughter mentioned, and that means vindicated uh, her name. And you know, there's more to come relating to her. But there isn't a whole lot said of her right now. Verse 22. Then God remembered Rachel, and God listened to her, and opened her womb. She conceived and bore a son, and said, "God has taken away my reproach." So she called his name Joseph. And said, "This uh, the Lord shall add to me another son." So God remembered Rachel. It wasn't that He forgot her. It's just stating that that, that God hadn't forgotten uh, forgotten her. So He remembered. It wasn't like, "Oh, God's going." Oh, I forgot all about you, Rachel. Sorry about that. That's not God. It's just that's it's stating that the Lord uh, didn't forget her, and um, uh, you know He listened to her and He opened her womb and. Uh, there were several children born in the house, but none through her body. She didn't have those baby kicks in her own belly and, you know, bear the, the son herself. And uh, his name is, may he add, is what Jacob, uh, what Joseph means. So Joseph was used mightily by God. We're getting into that here very shortly uh, in our study. And um, uh, for the provision of Jacob's family and a whole family and we learn that he's a man that loved God and honored God, God in his life. And uh, there's going to be uh, one more son to come from her, and that's Benjamin. So there's more to the story here. Last verse, and it came to pass when Rachel had born Joseph that Jacob said to Laban, send me away that I may go uh, to my own place and to my country. And We'll back up to verse 25 next week. But, you know, we covered a lot here, you know, from the blessing at, of uh, Bethel. Uh, Bethel of, of what happened there, and him realizing that God is at work in a place and at a time that he didn't think he was, and uh, you know God's opening his eyes to who he was, and God makes him a promise, and he he is told that that Abrahamic covenant is going to run uh, is now uh, to him and will run through his family, and uh, he he meets a better scammer than himself and gets married and tricked and. Uh, we see the record of his first 11 sons being born. And we see that this is a very dysfunctional family uh, life and unfortunately uh, had continued And uh, the, from what he had learned and what he had grown up on. And it's in full effect in his house. The game of, of favorites is is on and uh, there's, uh, there's a lot more to come here as we look in this, this family and the kids not liking each other and all those things. There's a lot here. Uh, that we started. But uh, the Lord, as we pick up next week, uh, we'll see what else he has for us. But the Lord is is just opening our eyes to what he's doing, and, and we uh, can learn from these things uh, as we proceed So through. So let's pray. God, we are so grateful for your word, and Lord, we pray that we would learn from the mistakes that are in there, that we would uh, learn from the the good lessons here that we wouldn't make the mistakes and that we would um, follow you and trust you and, and uh, not follow uh, the, the bad ways and, and do the bad things that we should, shouldn't should in our lives. And that we would trust you and that you would lead, guide, and bless us. We thank you. We pray that you would help us to meditate on this and, and to continue to be built up from it. And pray you be with us uh, for the rest of this week and until we're together again. Pray you cover us in your grace and mercy. In Jesus' name, amen.